A happy Freaky Friday to you and yours. This is Bill Landis. That's Jeremy Birmingham. Thank you for joining us here on the podcast daily. Berm, last week when you weren't here, um, Austin and I did a mailbag on the Friday, and I felt so bad about you not being involved in that that I thought we'd do a mailbag without Austin this time. What do you think? I think the best part about that was that you said without Austin. Everything, <laughs> everything else is just seems like lip service, but, you know, being able to do that without Austin because he's on vacation ish uh, for a few days down in North it's Carolina. Vacation. He's he's golfing for his birthday. It's vacation. He's playing at Pinehurst. So yeah, I mean, I, I think we owe it to ourselves to to you know try this again. All right. Well, we got a handful of questions. A little more, I guess, more than a handful. Handfuls five, right? Typically, we have more than five questions uh, from our tech subscribers. Um, all all of them about like Ohio State, I think. There's not last week we got into some nonsense. There just wasn't a whole lot of nonsense asked to us this week. I'm sure we'll find a they way know to that we're the serious ones, Bill. You and I That's are right. the deep divers, the the real the real nitty gritty. The thinkers, the thinkers, if you will. Um so let's get into them, shall we? Yes. Um so there were a couple like it's you know, they're not like all serious Ohio State football questions, but they're related to Ohio State football. Mm-hmm. And the news of the day. I think for a lot of people on Thursday was the EA sports college football video game, um, tweeting some more stuff out about like all the schools that are going to be in the game. Um, I think some contracts went out to players to opt into the NIL deal that will get them into the game. By the way, uh, Denzel Burke tweeted that he was in the game and like, he's not going to be in the game. So what was that? <laughs> what was that? Why won't he be in the game? Because it's next year. Why would he be in the game next year? Not, I mean, Denzel Burke is returning to Ohio State to play he's, next year, Bill. He's out of eligibility. This is his fourth year. He's going Denzel into his fourth Burke? year. Yeah. The Ohio State cornerback who's returning to play football at Ohio State this year? But the video game is next year. No, it's isn't it? Comes out in July, dude. Are you sure? Yeah. It's this July? Yes. But it's 25. Yeah, that's just what they do because that's when the championship gets played is in 2025. Oh, okay. Well, Denzel Burke is in the game. Then forget what I said. Yeah, anyway, he's <laughs> Denzel is one of only like I think uh, I've heard, and I'm not Matt Brown for extra points or anything, so don't you know hold me to this. I've heard that. there's only like 14 or 15 player ambassadors that EA has reached out to and and asked to directly um, do a little a promotion like that, and Denzel is one of them. Um, so it's pretty cool for him. I saw, I did see that tweet. Um, I, I don't think he's the only Buckeye, uh, that will be in, included in that. So take that for what it's worth. And whenever I know there's more. at least one more, I know there's at least one more. I saw, I saw a mock-up graphic of one of another player. I think I know who you're talking about, but I know that there's another player. You're talking about Caleb Downs, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> see, I'm, I don't, I've heard, I've heard. That Quinshawn Judkins will be one of them as well. And this is just me spitballing. I think that they're going to do like regional slash, um, like, you know, different covers for different regions. Mm-hmm. And I think one of those Buckeyes is going to be on a cover. I don't know which one, but I, 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 I feel like it's going to be the surprising one and it'll be like Quinshawn Judkins on a cover. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that was that was not a question we got, but I had I was like my question to you. I was just like curious because Doug and Matt did like a hour long episode on the video game on Kings of the North earlier this week, and they talked about the cover. And I think that they should kind of do what you just described, like almost like the way that Phil Steele does his magazines, like regional covers. Um, 
but they settled on like Lamar Jackson should be the cover guy because he never got the chance to. And I've seen some other people say like, it should be a combination of all the Heisman trophy winners who never got to be on the cover because the game hasn't existed for a decade. Where do you land on what the cover should look like? It should be Nick Saban. And that's, that's all the, okay. that's the conversation. Right. You, uh, want if ask, you're, you want to ask Nick option? Yeah. Yeah. Like your if you're place? doing one national cover, it, ha- it needs to be Nick Saban. Uh, in my opinion, he, there has been no one that has dominated college football more in the decade that it's been gone since Nick Saban, he retired. And like, it, it's a perfect homage to him. Uh, it's not out of the ordinary. We've seen EA do it with Madden and, and stuff like that. So, uh, I, I would put Nick Saban, but if you're doing regional covers, then you can al- alleviate some of those questions, I think. But Nick Saban should be the, uh, the first. All right. Nick Saban, it is. Here's our question, uh, related to the video game. We actually have two. Um, and I don't know, I can't remember. I think, I think the old games used to give you like a, like a grade. It was like your offense was an A or a C, depending on how good your team was. Um, but John asked, can you give the offense and defense for Ohio state an NCAA football video game rating up to 99 overall? And then who do we think would be the highest rated players on the offense and the defense for Ohio state Hmm. next year? Uh, since the game question. is next year and not two years from now. Yeah, it's coming out in July. I've already yeah, told I've already told the wife, like uh I found out this week that the DLC slash second part of Elden Ring comes out in June and then college football comes out like two weeks later. I'm not gonna see her through July. I told her like, <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna be taking a vacation all the way through July until the day we have to go to Indianapolis for big time media days. Um I would think the defense would be probably like a 97, 95, something like that. It's going to be, it'll be, it'd be the highest ranked defense in the game. Uh, offense, I would probably give it like a 90, something like, I think a 90, uh, because you have some really high end talent, but obviously there's a couple holes, uh, that you have to fill as we've talked about all week, uh, on the offensive line. Um, highest ranked individual players. Now that's a different conversation. Offense, I would probably pick Travion Henderson just because speed is going to be, you know, it's always uh, heavily weighted. Um, but I could be persuaded to believe it would be a Mecca Buka. Uh, and defensively, I think the highest rated player would be Caleb Downs with uh, JT2 Maloa nipping at his heels. Yeah. That was kind of my guess as well. And that was actually the second question we got from Zach is like, who do we, who do we think would be the highest rated player? Um, so Jack, Zach and John were kind of on the same wavelength there. I think my number for the defense was like a 98 overall. I agree with you that I think it would be the highest rated defense in the game. Offense. I was between like an 89 and a 91, I guess, like in that like a minus kind of b plus sort of well i said 90 bill do you know what's between 89 and yeah, 91 90 we're we're, we're we're of the same mind here um offensive highest rated player i think would i think would probably be quinshot judkins um or mecca Ibuka, but i would i would bet judkins just based off the production that he's had over the last two years um trivia henderson is obviously a very talented player but i think they would probably take that into account that Quinshaw Jenkins has been the leading rusher in the power five the last two years. Um, and he would be the highest rated player. And then defense, probably Caleb Downs. Um, but I could also see it being JT. Um, maybe I, I think Denzel Burke would be like a in the 90 ish range, right? So I could I could see him being up there too, but I think it would 
Caleb Downs, I would imagine, is probably the highest rated safety in the game. Yeah, um, I so put him, case, I bet he'll be like a 97 or a 98 overall yeah, to start. Yeah. Yeah. So how many guys do you think would be a, a 90 or 90 or above? Uh, three on offense. Uh, Travion, Quinshawn, and Emeka, I think, would all be 90 or higher on offense. Yeah. Um, and defense, I would probably imagine that there would be three also with JT, Denzel, and Caleb. Yeah, I wonder about Tyleek Williams. I think maybe not quite that high. And Jack Sawyer probably maybe not quite that high. Yeah, I think Jack would be pushing it right on the uh, – like I, I think Jack would probably be the end up being the fourth highest on the defense if I had to predict now. But uh, it does bring up a bigger and more important question. You, you are not a next-gen console player yet, right? You don't have a PS5 or a, not uh, yet. a I've, Xbox X series, right? No, I have a PS4. I've been waiting specifically for this game to justify buying a new one. So I'll do that when the game comes out. This is where they're going to get you because they're going to release a PS5 like Pro like three months after the game comes out. And then people are going to have to make these big decisions. What are you leaning in? I mean, are you definitely going PS5? Is that is that the target for you? I don't know. I've had both um, PlayStation and Xbox uh, in my life. I don't I don't know that I have a preference. I would I would honestly probably. Well, I guess the the newer generation consoles have you can like cross console online gaming, right? So yeah. I wouldn't, uh, but not like not every game. game though. I mean, it's not it's not a guarantee. That's from the the software people themselves. So most of the time, that's only happening in like the free games, like Fortnite, et cetera, where okay, you nice. have just huge yeah. servers that are actually run through the company that produces the game, as opposed to the um, distributor. So that's the interesting part. But yeah, I was thinking. It, you know, you you're probably pretty close. You got the, the new WrestleMania game coming out soon. Like, don't you mm. just have don't shouldn't you just get the PS5 for that? Because you're a giant nerd. <laughs> probably. It's not it's not me that you have to convince. It's a household household expenditure. You know. Yeah, I think you could figure out a way to get it done, Bill. Uh, but yeah. it does make me think that we should probably look into uh, you know how many teams are going to be allowed in these online dynasties and the the. Mm. Tech subscribers from subtext, like joining us in a league would be probably a good time. Oh, and that'd be fun. Yeah. We should probably look into how that happens. Uh, the problem is not everybody can be Ohio State. So then I don't. Well, no one's <laughs> allowed. That's that's the only answer. No one's allowed to okay. use Ohio State if that's the okay. case. Okay. No, I like that idea. Yeah. I'll have to figure out uh, what. Um, I'll do a survey of like people I'd want to play online and see what system they're using. And then I'll, I'll base my decision off that. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you're, you should you you may as well just dive in for the new WWE game, and then that way you have the system ready. That's that's a great point. I'm going to take that to my attorney. Tell Leah, I, tell Leah <laughs> to blame me if she needs to. Okay. All right. Here's a question uh, from Chase: uh, Is Jeremiah Smith the best wide receiver prospect Ohio State has ever had? I was excited for Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, etc. But this feels like a whole different level. Um, and I like you have a much better perspective on this than I do. One, because you cover recruiting more closely than I do, but two, uh, you've been an Ohio State fan for a very long time. So, um, what do you think about Jeremiah standing? I guess just like as a prospect, not you're not putting any undue expectations on him because Lord knows he already has enough. But as a prospect, how does he stack up? I mean, he's the best that they've ever had. Uh, that's yeah. the simple answer. Uh, if you look at it in the internet recruiting era, where obviously you have subjective rankings but those are generally pretty good and tell a, a pretty complete story um even the difference between five stars like garrett wilson or jackson smith and jigba 
or Emeka Abuka or Julian Fleming, like, uh, you know, the, to be the consensus number one ranked player in the country across all the major networks, like that's a totally different ball game. Um, and, and Jeremiah was at that point for the majority of the cycle. Um, I think maybe on three ended up going with Williams and Winari or something as the number one overall player, but um, that's because it's sexy to pick a defensive end in that spot. But uh, as far as a wide receiver goes to get the sort of attention and clout that he's had and the impact that he's made. And just like when you see Jeremiah Smith, like it is a different experience. Uh, when you, if you look at the, the San Antonio, the all American bowl, uh, and look at the way people talk about him when they're down in those national practices and you're talking about all-star teams and he still is just that much different than everyone else. Um, physically, he is so much more advanced and ready to contribute early in his career than any of these other guys were. And that's a testament to the skill that Garrett had or Jackson Smith and Jigba has because they found a way to get on the field early. Because they're so skilled, but Jeremiah is that skilled and also six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds, and re- and runs like a gazelle. So like I just don't. I, it's hard to. It's hard to really put him in the same category as any other other receivers that Ohio State's had, even as great as they've been coming out of high school. Um, which is why I always go back to like Julio Jones, and and that's the comparison that I go for with with him. Um, you know, Julian Fleming was the number one ranked player overall in the country by ESPN in 2020, but it was just because he's such a physical freak. It wasn't because of his, uh, you know, his ability and his skill as a wide receiver. Yet it was about the, the long term projection. And obviously, Julian's had a number of injuries that slowed him down. But if Jeremiah stays healthy, like, I don't see how you keep him off the field this year. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. Did you guys had a big conversation on Kings of Columbus on Thursday or Wednesday, right? About um, the expectations for those guys. Yeah, one of Doug's. Um, we did like wild predictions for the season, and I I still don't know if this really qualifies as wild, but it was like Jeremiah Smith was going to break the freshman single season freshman receiving record, but he only needs like 500 yards to do it. Like, will he, will he shatter it? Like I said, I said I asked Doug how far he wanted to push it, and I asked him if he'd say a thousand yards, and he said no. But I think, like, if we're going to talk about him in terms that you just did, fi- aiming for 500 almost seems low, no? Yeah, I mean, what are you talking, 35 catches to get there? 30? Yeah, I, mean, I, think, 30? I think Garrett Wilson Garrett Wilson flirted with 500 his freshman year, and I think he had, like, 35, 37 catches, something like that. Yeah, and, and Jeremiah certainly is a different type of receiver who maybe will have more, you know, downfield catches than, than Garrett did. So, I mean, I think you'd need 30 catches at like 15 yards of reception, right? Mm-hmm. To, to get close to that. So that's what, 450 yards if you do that. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I think you certainly can do it. I think a lot of that depends on just the rest of the offense, not him, um, yeah. and what they decide to do when you have the running game that you expect to have. So uh, I, I don't know that you need to get that from him to prove what he's worth, but the, the kid is going to be making highlights early in his career. And I, I think Buckeyes fans should be thrilled to get to see him on April 13th in the spring game. Buy your tickets. I'm, I'm thrilled to see him on March 5th for the first day of spring practice. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's a question um, from Jordan. Ohio state should have a top five offensive line in the country every single year. And everything else is unacceptable. Really? He set the bar really high there. Uh, if the offensive line underperforms again, do you think they'll be looking for a new offensive line coach after this season? Um, one, like, 
top I don't I need to know what top five offensive line means. Yeah, how do you measure that? How do you quantify that? I'm not entirely sure. Because even something like uh Joe Moore Award finalist is is like still very subjective. Um and I've certainly disagreed with some of the offensive lines that have won that award over the years. So like I, I don't I don't really know how you'd measure top five. Like if you want to say like Ohio State should have one of the best offensive lines in the country every year, I think that's probably good enough. Um and certainly they didn't have that last year. But I don't know. Like I, I've I've seen a lot of this about Justin Fry, and I'm not. And we talked about it a little bit when we did the offensive line preview um, on the podcast daily the other day. I, I don't know that I believe that Justin Fry is on like shaky ground here. Like I, I think there was an understanding that he kind of had to rebuild that offensive line room a little bit, and and I guess we could analyze whether or not he's doing that well enough. Um, but I always kind of viewed that as as like a multi-year project to get that entire room not just the starters the whole room to the level where ohio state needs it to be and and i totally agree that last year was not up to the standard and if it's not again this year um i think i'd be surprised by that but if it's not then then maybe we do have to have that conversation but i'm not sure that that justin fries and like coach for his job uh in a position to coach for his job this year do you uh, no, not necessarily, but I'll play devil's advocate and say that if the offensive line is not better than it was a year ago, or if it's a problem as it was a year ago, then the entire coaching staff is coaching for their job because yeah, it's going to lead to some really bad things. Um, I think that the standard should be basically Ohio State should always have two or three NFL prospects on their offensive line starting like that. To me, that that is a fair, fairest place to start the conversation. Uh, they did not have that a year ago. I think they, you know, you can look at the line and the guys that started and how they played, and you might be able to get there with Josh Simmons and with Donovan Jackson. I don't know that there's another guy who even Matthew Jones, who played six years, played for pretty well. I don't think you look at him and think that's a surefire NFL player. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't think, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it's on the fence. I mean, so to me, sure. That's that's kind of where I go. If, and I, I look at last year's line and think about just the shell shock that Ohio State had to deal with when they lost Luke Whipler and, and Dewan Jones. And that was just not part of the plan. And and when you're Justin Fry, that throws you for a loop and you get put in a position where the the restructuring, the rebuilding of that room, which you knew was going to be a multi-year project, uh, got put on you know the the expedite cycle. And it just didn't work um, the way that you'd want it to. I, I, I said on Thursday's podcast daily, like the the talent floor in this current offensive line room is so much higher than it was three years ago that I like I can understand where people look at it and say, okay, well, why aren't these guys playing yet? But that's just not the way it goes. There's not Paris Johnsons every year, um, and, and the expectation that Ohio State should be able to always sign the best offensive lineman from the from wherever they are is just not factually accurate they just they've never done that they've never done it, it yeah they've never been going out and just pulling the best offensive linemen from texas or from georgia or from california like it happens once every couple of years but generally speaking it's because a player like donovan jackson had severe ties to ohio um it, that's how it works and that's uh, or demetrius knox from texas who had ohio ties like there's there's things like that that you have to find and that's just not normal it's not uh, I don't know where the expectation has come from that Ohio State always signs top four, top five offensive tackles from all over the country. That's just not, I mean, just go back and look at it. It's just not the way it is. Nick Petit-Frere, sure. I was going to say, he's probably, he had no, 
the relationship with Greg Schiano though, that was yeah. like kind of a unique thing, right? It's not, yes. unless like, like we can't, we can't say like recruiting is all about relationships and then like dismiss recruiting wins because they happen to be due to relationships. Right. But I, I do think that, um, there are not many instances of Ohio state, like getting a top 100 offensive tackle from outside of the Midwest who had no obvious ties to anything at Ohio state. Right. I can't, I don't know that I can think of one off the top of my head. Very rare. So, and that's not to say like expectations shouldn't change, I suppose. Like, like I think Ohio state should still try to get guys like that. But um, like you said, it's not, it's not something that's happened routinely or really ever um, at Ohio state, which is it's, and that's not, I think it's true of most places. Like I, I think offensive line is maybe the position like most tied to like regionality and recruiting. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that off the yeah. like, for, for sure, but I, I would say so anecdotally, it just kind of feels that way. It's um, the mama's boys. The, it's the big yeah. boys who don't like, they don't want to leave home. That's just, that's the nature of the position there. It's a position that's full of very cerebral, very like the gentle giant, you know, mythos. Like that's who they are. They don't like to leave home. Um, they're, they're kids that like to commit early and, and stay out of the spotlight. And it's just, you know, when you're talking about Ohio State recruiting on the national stage, you're recruiting to try to find those guys where they live and meet them where they live. But Georgia lives there. <laughs> that's yeah. the, Texas yeah. lives there. Like, that's the problem. Yeah, you have a battle like last year with Brandon Baker from California, who, you know, it's Ohio State or Texas. And you think, hey, we got a shot here. You lose to Texas. That's the way it goes. At that point, Ohio State's um, ability to to really put together a functioning NIL plan was not the same as it is now. And we'll see if that impacts things moving forward in, in the class of 2025. But for Ohio State and the offensive line to be successful, like you have to have Carter Lowe's in Ohio. And that's where you win. That's where, you know, if you look at the class of 2023 with Luke Montgomery and Austin Saraveld and Josh Padilla, like that's where you have to start the foundation. So 2025, you have Carter Lowe. 2026, there's already three offensive linemen in the state of Ohio that the Buckeyes have offered uh, in Sam Greer, Max Riley, and, um, oh, crap, kid at uh, St. Ignatius, Will Conroy. Like, so you, you're already finding the Buckeyes getting much more aggressive in the state because they realize, like, that's where the bread is buttered. You got to make sure that you win those battles because recruiting and developing on the offensive line is a three-year like runway. So you have to just start finding those guys and making sure that those players don't end up going to Michigan state or Kentucky or wherever, you know, look at Kentucky with Darian Kennard over the last couple of years. Uh, they had a kid from Toledo whose name is escaping me. Who's playing in the NFL. Like they, they, they go out and recruit those second tier offensive linemen. And, but Ohio kids, like they get it. They're smart football players and they develop later, but you just have to have a steady pipeline of them to keep that working. And then occasionally, if you're lucky, sprinkle in the Paris Johnson. Yeah, that was always the thing for me. Like, and listen, I would I would love it if Ohio State could get Brandon Baker. And and if you're an Ohio State fan who wants to see Brandon Baker wearing scarlet and gray, like I'm I'm right there with you. But my, my thing with the offensive line of the Greg Stu draw was not was not so much the big swings and misses on the national targets. It was it was Poor evaluations, I think, on on the kids in Ohio that you're talking about. It's the, the floor of the room. Uh, just like too many guys year over year that were in the offensive line room. Who, no offense, like I just didn't think were Ohio State caliber players. Never really had a chance to become one. Um, I look at the room now, and like with the exception, I, I don't mean to single him out. Like Enoch Fomahi is a guy who's been here a while and struggled to find a starting role. But aside from him, like I don't know that I look at the room and think like that guy's got no shot to play here. 
Um, so, but, so I think I think that Justin Fry has done a much better job in that regard. But Enik Vamahi is the prime example of why, like, the idea of go out recruit national offensive linemen. It's not like it changes the outcome. I mean, this he was a top 100 player when the Ohio State yeah. recruited him out of Hawaii in 2019. Like, it, it, so you still have the same risks, but you know, very rarely does a guy stick around for six years from Hawaii instead of transferring home if after three years if you recruit kids from ohio at least you have a better chance of keeping them in the program um as they develop and, and then again hope that you can throw in like the occasional superstar offensive lineman that, that the paris johnsons of the world um or the nick petite frayers etc but i mean even in nick petite frayers case ohio state landed nick petite frayer because they missed on jackson carmen so like it, it's not like you have um like uh, the surefire, it's not as easy as recruiting other positions. Period, for a number of reasons. Yeah, anyway. it's. A, it's. A, I think it's a point worth reiterating when we talk about it. And it's not to. It's not excuse making for Justin Fry. I think it's. No, they got to be better. They have to be better. I, I don't. I don't think anyone is disputing that. But I. I don't. I don't think Justin Fry like needs to recruit like Brian Hartline or else. I guess is maybe the way the way that I would put it. Um. All right, let's move on to another question here. A uh, little bit of a later one, less less tied to Ohio State, but still college football related. Uh, from Kyle, if you had the choice to make the location of the national championship game permanently at the Rose Bowl, um, at the defending champion's home stadium, or the current system where it moves around, which would you choose? I'm not putting it at the current champion's home stadium. I'll tell you no, me neither. Um I'm also, but I also hated covering the Rose Bowl. So I guess this is one of those questions where I ask, are we supposed to consider it from a fan perspective or our job perspective? Because covering a game at the Rose Bowl is miserable. Watching a game there as a fan is pretty freaking cool. So, um, yeah, I would say from the fan perspective, yes. If I could take the Rose Bowl and put it in the middle of the country, I'd do that. Uh, but I can't. same same setting, but it's just like in Kansas instead of Pasadena. Yeah, because getting to California is awful. Driving in California is awful. Like it's super expensive for people to get to. It, it's it's eh. give it, keep me the system it is now. Rotate it around the country and let different parts of the country host and, and see who's you know let people get a sense of what college football means in different regions. I think that's the best way. Yeah, I. I think I'm with you. Like I, I, I do like the Rose Bowl. It is logistic, logistically a little bit of a nightmare. Um, but like once you're in your seat watching the game, it's very cool. And I think when you're watching the Rose Bowl on TV, like it feels like college football. So like I, I get why people would want to put it there permanently. And I don't think I'd put up much of a fight if if they decided to do that. But I, I like moving around the country. I just wish that it would move around to like the whole country and not just like bounce around the South. Like I know they played in India a couple of years ago. I like to see them play it in Detroit, play it in Minneapolis. I realize you, you want climate controlled venues. Um, yeah, but you have those in Detroit. Minneapolis. But you have those, but you, have, you don't have you them have in the Northeast. You don't have them in the Northeast. You have more of them um, in the Midwest than you used to. And like, I think maybe like the Cleveland might be getting a dome stadium sometime in the next couple of years. Like that would be cool to see it played there. Um, so as long as you're going to tell me that it, that it, there's more, trips up north for the yeah. national championship as you move it around, I, I think I'd be okay with that. I, I would much rather it be in Phoenix than LA. Let me just say that. Did you know I used yeah. to live in Phoenix? I did. As long as they do something about that grass at that stadium, then I'm fine with that too. Because that place yeah, is like I, a ice skating rink. Yeah, I prefer Arizona over LA. All right. Uh got a couple more questions here. Um 
Here's one from Anthony. Uh, I like that he lumped the two of these guys together. With Corey Dennis and Bill O'Brien both gone, who do you expect to be the primary recruiter developer for quarterbacks? I think it's fair to say Chip Kelly doesn't quite have the QB background that Bill O'Brien has. Does it just default back to Ryan Day? Uh, and he says that would seem counterintuitive. Is it possible that this means someone like Todd Fitch has more responsibility in quarterback development? Chip Kelly's a quarterbacks coach. So, yeah. like, he's and, and he does have, he's not known, he's not known for it, but like, he's been, he's had a number of years as a quarterbacks coach. Didn't he recruit and develop a Heisman winner at quarterback? He recruited and. Or are we going to credit Mark, Mark Helfrick for that? Well, the year that Marcus Mariota won the Heisman, Chip was not the head coach, but Chip right. did recruit Marcus Mariota. Yeah. And develop him, I would assume, those first couple of years before he left. Yeah, I can't remember. I think I think Chip, I don't know if Marcus Mariota ever actually started for Chip Kelly. Uh, bottom line is, I think that the answer to the question is a combination of things. Uh, yes, Todd Fitch will be more involved probably in the day-to-day operation, uh, the day-to-day mechanical stuff with the quarterbacks, but he has been doing that anyway. Uh, I don't know that it will necessarily be more than before, but maybe it's going to be talked about more than before because Ryan Day will not be as involved, and so maybe that you'll see Todd Fitch have to balance it out. But Ryan Day will still be very involved in helping select the quarterback that they recruit, um, and when the starter is named and figured out, I I just have a tough time believing Ryan Day is not going to find himself in that quarterback room with that quarterback a lot of the time. Uh, even, you know, no matter how much he doesn't want to do it, uh, no matter how much he wants to go full CEO, he's already removed himself from from the play calling part of the job. And now if he takes away the other part that he truly loves, the quarterback play, I think that you'd see a less happy Ryan Day. So I, I would imagine he's going to still be involved there. Um, I thought it was interesting this week, you know, Chip Kelly, we, we, we were... We have pretty low expectations of what to, um, you know, think that he'll do as a recruiter. But the first thing that happened really after getting named was Ohio State offered a 2026 quarterback from Mountain California named Brady Smigel, who is probably going to be the number one or number two ranked quarterback in the country in the class of 2026. Um, now that Julian Lewis has reclassified to 2025. And Smigel told me that the primary guy recruiting him all along has been Chip Kelly. And so it was like kind of interesting that the first thing he did when he got there was like, Hey, this is a quarterback I need you to look at. So like, there's at least some impulse there from Chip Kelly to be like, let's, let's, let's work on this. Um, but I, again, I don't know where, why people think he can't coach quarterbacks. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. I think he just has his, his reputation, like as a play caller kind of precedes him and people don't realize that he did that, but he coached quarterbacks, at Oregon, he coached them at New Hampshire, and he even um, this past season when UCLA lost its quarterbacks coach to Oregon State, like right after the season, and that Chip Kelly was the quarterbacks coach, like for bowl prep. And I think that's actually part of that was like part of the nudge where like he's like, I don't want to be a head coach anymore. I just want to be a coordinator and a position coach. So like he definitely has the pedigree. I think he certainly knows like what a good quarterback looks like. And I, and I mean, I he recruited and signed the nation's number one quarterback two classes ago. So I yeah, like, and I, I think he, I think he to UCLA be, of all places. Yeah. I think he might be underrated as, as a quarterback developer. So I, I think he's got a, a big, big hand in this and Todd Fitch might, I, Todd Fitch has had a big role since he's been here and I, I expect that they continue. We'll see about Ryan day. Like I, I think, um, I don't think I'll ever fully let go of the quarterback position, nor do, nor do I think he should. Um, but I, I would hope with the experience of Todd Fitch and Chip, and more importantly, Chip Kelly now running that room, that Ryan Day would feel like less of an, 
obligation to be in that room as much as he maybe was previously when Corey Dennis was the coach, but um, he'll still be, he'll still have his hands on it. Like from recruiting through the development process, I, I don't, I don't see how he can ever fully give it up. I don't know. I think about it like a, like a guy who starts at a company working in the mailroom and then moves his way up and then he's working in sales and then he continues to get promoted and promoted and promoted and he ends up being the CEO. I think sometimes the ability to just go back and sort mail and like be, get back to your roots of what made you fall in love with the company to begin with um, is really enticing to people. And I, I, I just don't think Ryan Day will leave that room alone completely. Yeah. Uh, recruiting question for you because the folks knew you were going to be taking questions on this episode of the daily burn. This is from Zane. I know you wrote about this a little bit um, earlier this week. Who are four or five guys on James Laurinaitis's realistic shortlist for linebacker targets in the 2025 class? Well, they've got one commitment in Eli Lee and the class of 2025. So that's one um, TJ Alford, Tarvos Alford from uh, Vero Beach, Florida. He's a six foot two and a half, six three, two hundred 215 pound outside linebacker. He's definitely at the top of the list. Like if you're looking at who's the guy they think they have to get, like it would be Alfred. That's going to be a fight with Miami. Uh, I think there's some back and forth in the family of like, do they want him to go that far away from home? Um, there's a couple kids in Texas, Riley Pettyjohn, who will be visiting Ohio State, I think, on March 9th. He's a big one. Elijah Barnes, another one in Texas, on the list very highly. Um, Elijah Melendez, Miami commitment out of uh, Kissimmee, Florida, very high on the list. Um, and then there's others like Madden Faramo out in California who are on the list. I'm not sure. He, I think he's sort of fallen down a touch in the last couple months as evaluations have continued elsewhere. Um and then in the state, you look at maybe a guy like Dante McClellan up at Canton McKinley, who I think might be the best cover linebacker I've ever seen in a high school setting. Like he might be the best pass defending linebacker I've ever seen at that in that spot. Like he's really, really good at it to the point where I don't know that he's a, a guy who couldn't end up being like a real big safety down the road because he's that good at it. But we'll see how big he gets. Jim Knoll seems to really love uh, Dante McClellan, but um, that's where I would say they did offer a new kid uh, on Wednesday night from Georgia, whose name is escaping me. I wrote about him a little bit um, in the morning on Thursday. Bill, you have that story pulled up by any chance? I can't have see. it pulled up here in a second. I got it. Um, Jaden Harmon from Rome, Georgia. He's another one, more of a like a hybrid player, 6'2, 205, 6'2, 210. Sort of in that Troy Bowles mold that Ohio State tried to go get a couple guys in the class of 2023 and missed. Um, and and Harmon told me like it's a little late to, but Ohio State is is not too late because it's Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Georgia has not offered yet. That's the big one down there. But it's it's at least enough of a time for James Laurinaitis to get involved in. In he's really impressed Ohio State on film. So um, that group is where I would think you'd be really looking. There's a couple others like. Uh, Two kids at IMG, um, Nick's is one. Um, it's but the, the group is focused really on that core group of TJ Alford, Elijah Melendez, Elijah Barnes, and um, and uh, like other kid from Texas whose name is just my brain is just falling Petty apart. But yeah, Riley Pettyjohn, who's uh, again that's that's the that's the group where like that's where the first kids will be. That's the circle them, underline them, must get types. That that's where they are. I liked McClellan at the camp last summer. 
He was the one that was like like Jim Knowles, like wouldn't leave alone the entire time. <laughs> he was working out. He is a good athlete. Um, I saw, yeah, but, I saw him at the Rivals Camp Series last year, and then the Under Armour Camp Series, and almost inevitably in those settings, the linebackers are at a huge disadvantage when they do the cat and mouse drills, when they do the coverage drills, and he was like regularly locking people down. That just never happens in those settings. So it was eye opening. Uh, to see and he's he's a player that I think like his best football is definitely ahead of him but uh, I I don't know if it's going to end up working out for him at Ohio State but like you're going to see him at Wisconsin or something like that and he's going to be a superstar I just feel it surely people won't feel some type of way about that when that happens yeah. um, all right last question from Ben um, every year since 2018 with the exception of 2020 uh, Ohio State has sent a player to New York as a Heisman finalist uh, who do you think is the most likely candidate at the end of the 2024 season to be in the Heisman running? That's a good question. Who do you think it is? It's a good question because you, I don't think you can just default to the quarterback, right? Like not that, not that Will Howard definitely won't be good enough to get there, but there's enough questions about him that you don't just automatically go like, Oh yeah, it's going to be him. Um, and if I have to pick someone on the offense, I don't. I don't know that I go to him first. I, I honestly, I might go to like Quinshawn Judkins. And it's, I guess, it's a question of like who do you, who of the two running backs do you think is going to be the most productive, or does the presence of both of them make it unlikely that either of them would be a Heisman Trophy candidate? I guess that's that would be a fair question. Yeah, but, that's how I would view it. Yeah, I, I think they're going to run the ball a lot to the point that I predicted in Kings of Columbus on Wednesday they're going to lead the Bauer Five in rushing. Um, so if I believe that strongly that they're going to run the ball well and run it a lot, um, I'll say Quinshot Judkins with the asterisks there that it might be difficult in a two running back role for either of them to get there. What does he have to do statistically in your mind to get there though? Because I think like no matter, um, even if they do lead the country in rushing, you have the split between Travion and Quinshot and the yards that Will Howard picks up and the Dallin Hayden uh, efforts. You know, I, I yeah, I think you would have to like. Obviously, there's a minimum threshold for rushing yards, like, I, and it's probably like thirteen hundred or above. But I can see a world where like both of them, Quinshot Junkins would have to be over a thousand yards rushing, definitely, and like Travion could be like right there and perhaps over himself. But Quinshot would have to like punctuate all the drives. Like if he could have like a Blake Corum season, where like Blake Corum had like twenty five yard rushing touchdowns, yeah. um, and no one like bothered to look like whether or not he was just punching and stuff from the goal line or if they actually had the work for those touchdowns. Um, I think that's the kind of season, like if he can get like close to 20 rushing touchdowns, just because he's the guy who finishes drives for you and like 1300 rushing yards, I think that could get him there. See, I think you could get a year out of Travion where he has 800 rushing and 500 receiving yeah, and 15 touchdown total. And, and that could open the door for, for Quinchon. I, I, I don't know that Ohio state gets where it needs to go without Will Howard being a Heisman candidate this year. I think like he has to be that elevated as a passer, even with the running game being as potentially uh, dynamic and, and, and hard to stop as it can be. Um, I think Will Howard, if you give him 2,800, 3000 passing yards on this season and 400 yards rushing and, eight rushing touchdowns and 35 passing touchdowns. I think that's a, a, a 
a compelling case for the provided Ohio State's, you know, un- undefeated or or in the top four um, heading into the the Big Ten championship game. Like I, I think that he's that's not an altogether d- unrealistic season. I mean, you're talking what twelve games and then the playoffs. So um, you could have what twelve. That's only two hundred and fifty yards passing a game, right? Like and two or three touchdowns a game total. I, I don't know. I, I, I would like to see something really pop this year. I, I'm excited to see like Carnell Tate and these other guys pop, but like it, it it's a quarterback award. And if the Buckeyes are doing yeah. what they should do with their full offense, unless you, again, like your point is valid. If Quinshawn Judkins has a, a break quorum, 23 rushing touchdowns, like that's a different ball game. Uh, but I, I'll go with Will Howard because I think you can get him to 28, 2,900 passing, 400, 500 rushing, and a 40 total touchdowns pretty easy. Yeah, I think 3,500 yards, like no matter how it shakes out, and 40 touchdowns yeah. probably probably does get him there. Um, I think Emeka Obuka is like an interesting wild card. Like if he's Ohio State, if Ohio State's offense is like back to what people expect it to be, that's like mainly from a point production standpoint, which which they weren't last year. And he's their leading receiver, but then maybe on top of that, Chip Kelly gets a little creative with him, like in the run game as well. And he's a guy that's getting a couple of touches that way per game, which like maybe that's maybe unlikely to happen um, with the running back talent that they have. But I, I don't know. I could, Chip Kelly seems to be like a guy who's like going to try to use all the weapons he has at his disposal and like in the most creative ways he, he can. So I, I could see a season for Emeka where he is a. Um, a dual threat in the sense of being a receiving and a rushing threat that piques the interest of people around the country in, in a way that could get him some, some consideration uh, It's like a dark horse kind of guy on the offense. My dark horse slash wild card will be Caleb Downs um, because I think mm. all of the hype that is around him heading into a sophomore season, let's say he has four interceptions returns one or two for a touchdown. Say he gets a punt return that he returns for a touchdown and then you throw in a wrinkle where he has a rushing touchdown or a receiving touchdown coming out of the backfield and playing on offense. And he ends up leading the team in tackles and the Buckeyes are yeah. playing for a national championship. I, I think you could see that uh, unfolding for him because there's not heading into 2024, like the quarterback situation around the country is going to be pretty interesting. I think I, I don't know that there's like a, there's no Jaden Daniels. There's no Caleb Williams. There's no. There's nothing like that where you're like, oh, what about this guy? He's going to have to win it. Um, I, I think you could see that type of year for Caleb Downs if he has the opportunity to do some, you know, niche things on offense or with the ball in his hands. 2016, Jabril Peppers was fifth in the Heisman voting. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Downs it can be a Jabril Peppers type player for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually, that's that's. Is there? Can you wager on that? <laughs> <laughs> that feels like it's worth it. It's worth a sprinkle. He's a top tenner. Feels like it's worth a sprinkle if you can. I can. I'm not allowed. I vote on that, so I can't bet on it. But um, no, well, I'm allowed. Yeah, if you don't vote, then uh, maybe it's worth taking a look at. Because I, I actually can listen. Like the defensive player, a guy who plays defense primarily hasn't won it since Charles Woodson. So um, it's probably and he's the only one that's ever won it. And he's the only so, one that's ever done it. And like there have been guys who have come close, but the question was finalist. And you can't bet on finalists, I don't think. I wish you could. Like you can only bet. Yeah, and on plus, player. let's talk to the Heisman voters. I know Doug has, has ranted about this before, but shouldn't mm-hmm. it just 
let's can we just agree that it needs to be five finalists and just be done with it? I think it should be five, and I think it should be that you set the five before the postseason, and then you actually vote on it after the postseason. Yeah, there's the, that Heisman vote happening and the Heisman award being given out in December, especially now when we're talking like four games after that. That's that's ludicrous. That needs to now happen mid January. Yep, I agree. We're gonna we're gonna make the change. We could be the change you want to see in the we're world. Gonna make a change. Yeah. Once in our lives, we're gonna feel real good. We're gonna make a difference. Just gonna see how far you take that. I think I think Burn doing gonna make it right. <laughs> Unless you want to keep singing. You have any, no, you have any human nature? No, human nature is my favorite. No, that's a good spot to end it. So yeah, this has okay. been fun. All right. Thank you, uh, everyone, for sending in your questions. We appreciate it. If you want to send in questions for a future show, you can be a tech subscriber, 614-662-4509 is where you can join us a two-week free trial. And then if you hate it, you can cancel it. And it's really easy. Yeah, and maybe you'll get to play in our NCAA 2025, uh, you know, online league. Yeah. And now would be a, uh, you know, a decent time to start because spring ball is starting up soon and we're going to have some practice access and we'll be texting a lot of the things that we see at practice there to that number. So uh, if you've been considering it, I would I would suggest now is, is a pretty good time. And again, if you don't like it, uh, you get two weeks to see if it's, it's your cup of tea or not. And if not, uh, you can leave us and uh, no harm done. So uh, thank you uh, again for sending in those questions. Thank you, those of you who uh, listened to this year episode of the podcast daily. Uh, we hope you enjoy your weekend for Berm. I'm Bill. We'll talk to you later.